Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, Kai Ko makes a comeback, Yuan Wolping and Trey Hark remake a action classic, Goodbye Mr. Loser filmmaker sues internet film critic, and then the small screen comes back to the big screen with Return of the Cuckoo. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I am your host, Paul Fox, and coming to you from his news desk in a closet at Patrick Kong's office is Mr. Kevin Ma. Well, apparently Patrick Kong's closet has a really loud air conditioner. How you doing, Paul? <laughs> Indeed. How's Hi, it going? Everybody. Good, good. Um, um, how, how are you? Yeah, well, I'm hot. You know, speaking of loud air conditioners, we are uh, a week off from, you know, the official kickoff of the holidays for me, which would be Thanksgiving stateside. And it's freaking hot outside. I mean, we're like still in 28 to 30 degree Celsius weather here in Hong Kong. And uh, they keep promising that a cool front is going to be coming through. But it's like uh, we're still running the air conditioner this late into November. Um, So I'm a little bit disappointed with the weather and the fact that uh, we're still, you know, sweating over here. Um, Yeah, our cool front... Let's face it, it's like 15 degrees Celsius, <laughs> which yeah. is, I don't even know what that is, Fahrenheit, but I'm sure people in like places where they're, you know, it gets real winter, wintery, they're going like 15 degrees. What the hell? It's like a t-shirt weather up in there. Yeah. Like, so, but you so. will see, you will see people like in full parkas once it gets down to that thing, you know, these like big uh, down jackets, like, you know, they're freezing. Um, and I look forward to this kind of weather. I, I, I like it when it gets cooler rather than it's hot. But, uh, of course, then again, I am living here, so I must not uh, mind the heat all that much. You know, I, I am ready for, for cooler weather, although I may have to go somewhere else to get it. I am going back to San Francisco for Christmas, so I, I, I look, kind of look forward to you know freezing my nuts off in the winter mornings. Yes, indeed. And I'll be headed back stateside as well, and uh, I'll be spending some of the time in Florida, but a little bit of the time <laughs> we'll be going up to... Uh, up to the mountains in uh, North South Carolina area, so so you're going to Florida where yes. it's like easily as hot as yeah, just Hong as Kong. hot. You know, we get the same, pretty much the same amount of humidity and the same amount of uh, of uh, heat year round. So it's basically just staying within the same uh, latitude, or is it longitude? I always get those two mixed up um, in terms of the the heat factor. So uh, no white Christmas for me, unfortunately. Uh, but maybe it'll at least be a cool Christmas, we can hope. But we are not here to talk about the weather. We are here to talk about films and film news and some other interesting stuff. So let me throw it, uh, throw a snowball back over at Mr. Ma, uh, if I had one in my hand, a virtual snowball, if you will, uh, to his news desk with our news for this week. Well, here at the news desk, before we go into, you know, 
real news. Uh, uh, Paul, you you follow Star Wars news locally, do you? Ah, yes, yes, yes. And we've uh, yeah. we've been blessed <laughs> by the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving this year. That yeah. is Star Wars, and poor poor Louis Koo, who's been relegated <laughs> to be the spokesperson for the Star Wars site. And they've created well, well, this promotion. Why is that poor? Why is that poor? He finally got to be in, hold a, a lightsaber and be in the Obi Wan Kenobi role. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. You're a Star Wars fan in Hong Kong. Mm, I, I think I think he's still banging his head against the wall that he's not up there uh, on the big screen in an official role next to Donnie. So maybe Donnie can pull some strings and you know he'll get in one of the uh, one of the other films uh, as a cameo or something. Maybe a stormtrooper, right? Uh, I hear that there are actually lots of famous people uh, posing as stormtroopers, and we don't know because we just see them in the armor. But, <laughs> um, yeah, they have this promotion now where if you go to, what is it, starwars.com.hk, I think, and you can see uh, Lewis. Um, basically, I guess he's doing promo for hot toys and some figures and things that are coming out in, in conjunction with the film. And they've got this weird stomp-style song that intermixes the lightsaber sound, and then you see it's basically a handoff thing where you like hand off a lightsaber off-screen, and then somebody picks it up on the other side of the screen. And so you're supposed to shoot your own video and and sort of add it into the role, as it were. It's just a very annoying song, and you get a couple celebrities doing it, and then you get a bunch of people you have no freaking idea who they are doing it, and it's just... Uh, you know, one of those, one of these things that's trying to be viral, but it's kind of, I guess, more annoying than anything in in the, in the, just the premise of you know Star Wars being ubiquitous and everywhere and everything's a Star Wars promotion now, right? Well, you know, the thing is, you don't know is that wow, Lewis is shooting that that ad. He was also on the set for three other films, so that's why he had to. <laughs> he couldn't do the entire thing on his own. Come on, he has like man, has like five movies to shoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, as, as I said on Facebook, it's uh, time for people to come over to the dark tan side, as it were, and uh, join Mr. Koo if you want, although I think if you're overseas, you probably won't qualify for, um, the prizes. I think it's for people in Hong Kong, but, um. There are prizes? Uh, I wasn't even looking at that part. Yeah, thing. no, I think if you participate, then you get a chance to win some of the, the figures, which are fairly, you know, these aren't the, the Star Wars figures of my day, which were, you know, a couple bucks for, you know, a little four-inch plastic figure. These are big figures, and, and they cost some uh, pretty hefty bucks, from what I understand. And uh, my figure collecting days are behind me, but uh, I don't, I don't uh, con condemn anyone who still collects figures. In fact, uh, <laughs> there are some people that we know that we're not going to mention any names that are still avid collectors of figures. And if I had the space and the money, uh, I would certainly still want to do it. But uh, I leave that to the Lewis Coos of the world now, who uh, have more money than they know what to do with and more space. To do. Kozo! Sorry. <laughs> what did I just do? Uh, Gesundheit, yeah. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> may, may the force be with you. Okay. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's a, a little bit of geeky Star Wars news. I'm sure there's going to be other stuff to talk about in the weeks that come as we build up to, uh, what is it, uh, December nineteenth, right, is the big day. The seventeenth here in 17th, Hong Kong, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll be yeah. I'll be stateside by then. But um, I've heard some other interesting news too. Uh, the Captain America Civil War trailer is going to be dropping um, during the on on Star Wars. It's going to be attached to Star Wars. So 
Um, the question is, is that it's been confirmed, I think, with the U.S. release of the film, but I don't know about the earlier releases, like here in Hong Kong, if it's going to be attached or not. Who cares? Yeah. We'll get on YouTube on the same day it comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you know, so. it, this stuff will be on YouTube. But also, apparently, the X-Men movie, X-Men Apocalypse, has also jumped on the bandwagon, too, and they will be uh, releasing their trailer uh, the same day as well. So whether you're a Star Wars fan, a, a X-Men fan, or an Avengers fan, it's going to be a pretty big day of... Uh, you know, stuff to see uh, on that day. So mark your calendars, folks, if you haven't done so already. Well, it's like, I'm sorry, the minute, like, I'm going to a Star Wars movie, like, I stopped caring about other franchises. It's, like, it's almost like Marvel and, and X-Men, whatever, all these comic book stuff are just sort of stopgaps. You know, it's sort of like, like, you know, a fix before I get what I really care about, which is, I, unfortunately, for, for any females listening is Star Wars. Yeah. So are you gonna are you gonna be stateside then, or are you gonna see it here? Oh, me and my friend, uh, my best friend is one of my best friends in the states. We already booked tickets for the thirtieth of December because that's when I'm gonna be back. Um, and we we did actually we did a Star Wars marathon about ten years ago, so we're both big Star Wars fans, so we're mm-hmm. gonna see it together. But by then, like he fully expects me to have seen it once or twice already. So yeah, it's, it's opening day for me here in Hong Kong mm-hmm. for sure. All right, all right, well. I'll look forward to your report. It'd be, uh, you know, if we can find the time to maybe uh, do a quick uh, podcast while we're both on the road or something uh, to talk a little bit about it, I mean, we might try and throw that together, but we'll have to see what schedules are like and where we're at and what we're doing and what the Wi Fi is like wherever we are. So, well, actually, we're both in the States. So, actually, it'd be easier to even set that up while I'm in the States. Uh, yeah, I think we'll be slightly different time zones, but it'll be doable. We'll see, you know, we'll see what we can throw together. The main thing is going to be the technical side because, um, um, I won't have a decent mic with me at the time unless Neither. I buy one over there, just the headset mic, but we might just throw it together and see what comes up. And if it sounds terrible, we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll bury it or, or something, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll leave it for the, for the archives to find years later, right? So, so are you thinking of doing like a like a little Star Wars marathon with the family, with the fans? Um, actually, the there the, there's a group. Uh, the the Hong Kong sci-fi group here is doing one. Uh, actually, next weekend, mm-hmm. um, but they're just doing the original films. They're not doing the uh, the the prequels. So um, I'm gonna go do that. But the problem is, is it's like nine hours of mm-hmm. movie on a single day and um yeah I, I don't think i can be away from my little one quite that long so i think i might make it through to empire um before having to bail um i i like return of the jedi a lot but uh um you know it's one that i could kind of watch on my own i guess if i had to so sorry man it's like it's all nothing right you can't just ignore the <laughs> six cents of the prequels you you gotta do a real Star Wars marathon. You gotta, you gotta like acknowledge the existence of the three prequels. Well, you know, it's they are part of the saga. The, you they, can't really just... the, they are, they are. It's a question of when do you watch them? Do you watch them first now and make it a story of uh, of Darth Vader, or do you watch them in the original release order um, and make it a very different story? So, um, but if uh, you know, if you want to talk challenge, sir. Uh, go back and watch all five seasons of the Clone Wars too, and Rebels. So, there's a challenge for you. I still have my sanity <laughs> above me. Um, 
<laughs> no, Paul, no. Just the films. Just the it's films. good stuff, I'm telling you. They do much better stuff in in the in some of the Clone Wars episodes than anything you're gonna see in the prequels for sure. So uh but you know, that's TV of a different era, I guess, for some of you out there who are only film fans. Alright, let's let's stop all this geeky nonsense and get to our news for this week. So you've got some news about a comeback, right? Yeah, um, remember, hey, remember Kai Ko, this the Taiwanese uh, young actor who was uh, who starred in uh, You're the Apple of My Eye, and um, he was <laughs> the star of Monster Hunt, right? He was the star of the Monster Hunt, the first one, uh, and then uh, he was also in Tiny Times. Yay! Um, I don't know if you guys remember other films, but anyway, he had a huge breakout um, breakout in uh, with You're the Apple of My Eye. And he was kind of the next big thing for a while. Um, um, but then he got caught for doing drugs uh, in 2014 uh, with uh, J.C. Chan. And, you know, people thought that his career was over. But no, now he's making a comeback uh, just a year after that incident. Um, so after he went back to Taiwan, he actually joined a, um, a, fi- a pretty high-profile production uh, from a well-known art house filmmaker. Um, he is making a screen comeback with a film called The Road to Mandalay. Uh, that's the latest film by Taiwan, Taiwanese-Burmese, I think, filmmaker, uh, Midi Z, um, who is actually quite known for his art house films like uh, Jane Miners and... Uh, um, uh, a lot of films that make, usually deal with uh, actually they're more shot in uh, uh, Burma, where his home is, and Thailand and Southeast Asia around that. Um, Ice Poison, sorry, that was the other film that he's known for. So anyway, he, he made film mainly around that region, and his his new film actually is no different. Uh, the Road to Mandalay is, is actually his most commercial film, and it's a love story um, between two people who smuggle narcotics from Miramar to Thailand. I assume one of them is Kai Ko. Um, so the film has a budget of around $1.23 million US, uh, which is by far his biggest budget. The film just finished shooting um, last month. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's supposed to be Kai Ko's big comeback, and we can actually expect to see it at Possibly, you know, uh, overseas film festival in the coming months because uh, Midi Z is, is a pretty well-known filmmaker among the art house uh, circle. So, Paul, any any do you like? Have you you've seen Your Dad Bought My Eye? Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you've seen him in Tiny Times and stuff. What do, what do you think of Kai Ko? You think he has a chance for like a real comeback? I, you know, in in when you're in the industry, you know, uh, short of knocking knocking somebody off, you can always make a comeback, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Edison's made a comeback. Uh, um, you know, Paris Hilton has made a comeback. What's who's the girl from the Herbie movies? Uh, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. You know, they all they all they all have that ability to just go away, be out of the media eye for a little bit, and you know, come back and be golden. So you know, more, well, here's the thing. more power to him, I guess, as long here's- as he's cleaned up his act. I just think Kai Kaiko is going to have to keep doing, will have to make his comeback without China because um, he was caught in that, you know, series of, um, um, what, do we, what do you call it, arrest uh, or crackdown, crackdown on vices uh, in the film industry, entertainment industry. So, so, you know, the fact that he got caught and was punished um, doesn't mean that he's redeemed himself in China, at least. The government is not going to let him be essentially be in films anymore. In fact, he has a film called Achu. Which is also based on a uh, novel by Giddens. Uh, that film's 
finished, but it's been sitting on a shelf for the last year because that film is pretty much not allowed to be released in China, um, even though it's a Taiwan co-production. Um, but because it is a China co-production, they needed to also play in China, and that film's been sort of just stuck on the shelf. So it's very hard to say if he his career will ever have you know come back to where it used to be. But um, yeah, no, it, it kind of forces him to to pay attention to its home market, and I think that is something that may lead to a lot more interesting choices for Rose. Yeah, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock in being banned in China because I mean look at Tang Wei, she was banned after Lust Caution and you know, a couple of years later that stuff, you know, gets pushed to the side, people forget, other things take up the limelight and uh you get a job again. Well, for, well Tang Wei didn't, you know, commit a crime one and two that, you know, that her comeback she took probably took a lot of uh, uh, you know, under the table dealings and negotiation, things like that before that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if Kaikos has that sort of clout behind him for him to, uh, after his, I think his manager is also in some legal trouble in China as well, and and she just doesn't have the clout that, that Tom Wei has uh, mm-hmm. backing her. Yeah. yeah. Well, good, good luck to him. We'll have to wait and see if he can uh, uh, rise from the ashes like the phoenix. Just don't smoke them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next bit of news. Um, um, Yun Wuping, uh, I sure, I'm sure you got know who he is. He's like the the the, the legendary action choreographer. Um, before Crouching Tiger Two even has been released, um, he's already got his next gig uh, locked up. He will be teaming up with Trey Hark again um, with a remake of Miracle Fighters. Uh, I don't know if. Have you seen Miracle Fighters? Paul? Actually, I've never seen Miracle Fighters, a 1984 martial arts film that Yuan also directed. Yeah, I've seen it uh, once a long time ago, and uh, I think it was like on a uh, VHS tape. Um, I don't know if it's even ever gotten DVD distribution. It might not. Uh, but sure. um, yeah, it's a pretty rare film uh, these days to 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 try and see. Yeah. So so instead of actually telling you the plot, I mean, I. I vaguely know the plot i mean since it is about a young warrior who is um who learns um martial arts skills from two towers priests to fight a an evil sorcerer i mean that's pretty much it it's, it's kind of a fantasy comedy that was very different from what was uh, available at the time it has that kind of fantasy comedic twist to it apparently um but anyway um your opinion will not be going at this alone uh he will have trey hark as his writer and producer um, and it is the the, the pair's uh, first collaboration since Black Mass Two. So um, this already sort of a uh, <laughs> this already sort of an improvement already, right? Um, anyway, the film of a completely new story, um, even though we don't know what that story is yet. Um, and Yuan Wuping is promising, although that sounds like a PR pitch more than a real promise. He said that the the film will redefine the wuxia genre. Which is kind of the promise of every other new wuxia movie, big budget wuxia movie coming out of China these days. Um, anyway, yeah, it's kind of cool. Trey Hark is kind of stepping back, um, you know, letting letting uh, Ba Ye, as we call him in, Kent, in in Hong Kong, letting him do his thing, and uh, it sounds kind of interesting. Uh, Trey Hark's company will be producing it. Um, no huge uh, China company, but it is backed by. Um, um, Wei Junzi. Wei Junji is a very well-known um, 
a writer uh, who writes a lot about Hong Kong cinema in China. Uh, in recent years, he started his own production company, um, and this is one of the first projects of his company. So it's going to be obviously it's, it's being produced by people who love Hong Kong cinema, and um, it's going to be interesting to see how 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 this one turns out. I mean, when's the last time Trey Hark just acted as a, as a producer of his own? I think that was back in sort of like the late '90s, right? When he did, he let Marco Mack, and he did all these. You know, Black Mass was his production. Uh, he didn't direct it, but he was very much involved as a producer and a writer and a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see Trey Hart kind of being back in that role. Um, Paul, um, what do you think? Are you are you optimistic about this, or is is the are the memories of Black Mass Two still alive in your mind? Uh yeah, I, I mean I kind of remember that film, but hey, if it's got Young Wo Ping in the director's chair, um, all we need now is uh, Donnie Yen and some breakdancing, and uh, good to go, right? I mean, I don't know if this fantasy wuxia movie is gonna have breakdancing, but I would certainly welcome it. Yeah, uh, uh, I think it's good. I'm I'm excited to see them collaborate. I think um, between the two of them, they can generate some good ideas. The question is, will they get the kind of budget they need to really? pull things off and hopefully they will anyway the film um i think it's going to start shooting after new year's uh new, new new year not 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 western new year and a theatrical release is so far set set for 2017 so we're not going to be able to see this film for some time and uh no no details about cast yet um i'm sure they won't go you know they you know i think Trey has a clout to bring in some bigger stars so let's see what what happens with uh, this film? Fingers crossed for Andy Lau. <laughs> you can't, Andy Lau can't be in everything, Paul. I know, I know. But I can dream. I can wish. I can hope. No, it's, you can't dream. This is going to be the fifth Andy Lau movie of that year, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it'll be like the 55th Louis Koo movie. So, um, <laughs> oh, maybe Trey Hart will cast Louis Koo. Yeah. Um, and give us an Andy on cameo for fun, right? <laughs> maybe Eddie Pang because Eddie Pang doesn't have enough movies mm, yeah right that's now, right? true yeah yeah. we we didn't have one uh, we're not going to have one in December although we have one in November and I think we have one in October I don't think we're going to have one in December so um, yeah we're, we're kind of slowing down in Eddie Pang releases <laughs> anyway god right. I hate snarking <laughs> <laughs> I uh. love Sorry, <laughs> I love Eddie. I, I like to see him. Eddie's good. Eddie's good. Eddie, we need more Eddie. Love, yeah. All right. Uh, last bit of news on the film uh, Goodbye, Mr. Loser. Yep. Uh, I think we talked about the film before. Goodbye, Mr. Loser. A kind of a sleeper hit uh, in China. Um, uh, apparently, it's made a lot of money. It's made 1.4 billion RMB already, which is, uh, to use the explicit language, a S-H-I-T load of money. Um, anyway, but the filmmakers apparently uh, still worry about their reputation after making so much money. Um, they are going after an internet film critic for um, accusing it of plagiarism. What happened was that this writer, named, real name is Yang Wen, um, under a pseudonym, wrote a, um, a very, very long article uh, for a public rechat group uh, for film criticism detailing how Goodbye Mr. Loser um, is plagiarized from uh, a film called Peggy Sue Got Married, which is, was directed by a director that you may know, uh, know you know, his name was Francis Ford Coppola. Um, but anyway, the film was very 
you know, small kind of comedy, very different from what Coppola was used to making, I guess, at the time. But it was a 1986 film. And the article, and I've read the article, it actually goes into a lot of details about how Goodbye, Mr. Loser resembles Peggy Sue Got Married pretty much story beat by story beat. Um, the the, the uh, producers of the film uh, got really angry and, and threatened to sue. Um, but the film critic did not back off, and now the filmmakers are suing. They are uh, they have already filed a lawsuit with a Beijing a Beijing local court. Uh, it's already being accepted, and the filmmakers and producers are asking for two point two million RMB in damages um, for <clears throat> uh, for degrading the film and for damaging the reputation of the creators with malicious lies. Um, so not in addition to the damages, the financial damages, they also demand that the film critic remove the post, uh, even though it's already been reposted and reposted around the internet. Um, they, they demand to remove the original post. They also demand that he, pro he posts a public apology on, on most or every single major Chinese media platform. We're talking about Sina, Phoenix, um, um, I think People's Daily, uh, all the major web media. Um, yeah. So, what does this mean? I think in China, I mean, you could always talk about censorship and whatnot, but actually, film criticism is a very much a, a, a sort of a wild west kind of thing where you don't really have a critics union that you know we talk about the credibility of certain critics, but actually, in China, there is no real like sort of a, 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 a separation between sort of the official, you know, the highbrow film critics and the internet film critics. They sort of just all scramble into one big, wild, untamed place that is called the internet. So it's very much a, a sort of a free reign. Uh, film critics, they, they, the so-called internet film critics, they, you know, they can pretty much write anything about film as long as it's not, you know, politically you know, uh, sensitive, which very rarely it is. Uh, I mean, when you talk about commercial Chinese films, you don't really have to touch these sort of things. So it is still a very wild, untamed place. Um, of course, there are claims of films plagiari plagiarizing other films. It is China after all. Um, but I think this is the first time that a that a film company and, and, and the creators of a film has sort of come back, strike, struck back at a film critic for accusing them of plagiarism. Um, I have not seen Peggy Sue Got Married. I have not seen Goodbye, Mr. Loser. Honestly, I did not think that the original article was super, um, super convincing about the whole plagiarism issue because I think the either the word formulaic does not exist in Chinese or or the, the, the film critic really truly believes that, that the film plagiarized. But honestly, I didn't think the post was very... Uh, convincing um just because you know a film fo follows a certain formula uh, a certain narrative formula doesn't mean that it's plagiarizing another film um but yet uh, i think there's a very sort of dangerous precedent to set for for film criticism in china um i think that if if this lawsuit uh or the producers win at this lawsuit this could be very uh leave a very huge impact on what film writers can write in China and this is something that you know we don't really want to tighten freedom of speech uh, further in China and especially in, in a field where you know we still get relative freedom in terms of writing about certain topics um, so 
yeah, this could be a, a potentially a, a, a kind of a game changer. I mean, if if the if the filmmakers lose, then things go back to originally. But if they win, then you know, I'm almost scared to see what the impact will be. Uh, imagine, I mean, we could be on a show, we you know, put the show in China, and we plagi- we, we, we accuse a film of plagiarizing another film, and we get sued. So, you know, what what can we do? Um, so, Paul, you know, you you must this must kind of strike a nerve with you, right? Well, um, you know, the 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 uh, podcaster and uh, I, I I hate to call myself a film critic, but uh, the film fan in me uh, wants to jump to the defense of the the little guy here, um, but without actually seeing uh, the film, I've seen Peggy Sue Got Married, so I know what it's about. Um, but without actually seeing Goodbye, Mr. Loser, I, you know, I, I don't want to prejudge and just automatically jump to his defense. I mean, some people, there are many people out there on the internet who say things in an effort just to get attention to themselves, you know, and so if they're saying something that's volatile or controversial and it gets them, you know, more attention, more hits, more whatever, um, you know, they will push the envelope to do that, you know, um, and if it's the case that he, this person is doing that and by proxy damaging the film um, unwarrantedly, then, you know, I, I, it's, it, I wouldn't want to defend that. But at the same time, I do agree that, you know, if this is a case of the, the guy making a legitimate criticism and then being taken to task by a big company for that, you know, I mean, what they, you know, you said they're suing the guy for like, uh, 2.1 million renminbi, you know, was it was like 350,000 US dollars. I mean, if the dude is just an internet blogger, you know, he's not going to have that kind of cash. What's the point of that? Um, you know, calling for a retraction or an apology, those kinds of things I can understand. And a lot of times people who are quick to say, I'm going to sue you, um, often do that as a defensive move because they feel that, oh, maybe they've you know, maybe they've actually hit a nerve, right? Maybe they've, uh, maybe there is something to this. Uh, but I notice in your article you say that um, this is an adaptation of a play, right? Yeah, the um, people that, who wrote it adapted that, their own play. Oh, so so they are the writers of the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's the same group who did the play that could have plagiarized the narrative from Peggy Sue Got Married. Right. Um, which is weird because I guess... Um, some of the what is it the sarf not sarfed anymore sarfritted or something um the regulations have changed because wasn't there a point a few years ago when they said no time travel yeah i think in the film the the guy has a dream i haven't seen the film but i think the guy dreams about it and actually it's not a, a strict no travel no time travel rule it's a no time travel in a way that you touch actual real history I see, I see. I yeah. think that's sort um, of the, the thing. So that's why a lot of the period shows, because they took place in like the, the you know, involving the emperor and the, the uh, imperial palace, which means you're touching on real history, right? Right, right. So th- that was what kind of struck, um, kind of that's kind of what offended Sarf. But uh, I think this sort of light, you know, back in time and, you know, meet your wife kind of narrative, I think they're okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Peggy Sue got married. I've, it was kind of comparative to uh, Back to the Future in some ways, 
but um, it was much less sci-fi because I, I think too there, if I remember correctly, it's like she gets she gets hit on the head or or something. So it's you know she's not using a DeLorean basically, <laughs> and she's going you know the, the idea is she goes back to her youth and she revisits her life and you know looks at you know choosing a different boyfriend because the boyfriend she ended up marrying turned it out to be kind of a a goofus. I think it was Nick Nick Cage, you know, so appropriate. Um, so it does sound like there's some potential there based on just, you know, the short synopsis I've read, but you know, Hey, there's tons of stuff that does that, you know, that's like a, it's like borrowing ideas and then, you know, sort of revamping it, you know, making it a male story instead of a female story. So it's a fine line between plagiarism, I guess, and, you know, just borrowing similar elements and, and creating something new. Mm-hmm. So when can we see this? I don't think there's a Hong Kong release set. I mean, the film is just way too, way too mainland China, I guess. Um, that it's not really going to find an audience here. I think that's too bad. Maybe I'll, we'll get a we'll get a DVD and uh, do a screening for the group, right? And then we can do criticism, and I'll get sued. <laughs> they can take they can take down. Comcast and Love HK Film all at one go, right? It's a dude, mass I, lawsuit. I don't want to get pulled into this, dude. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it for the news this week. So thank you to Mr. Ma for yeah. bringing us more news from the news desk. Let's take a short musical interlude and we'll come back with our review for this week of Return of the Cuckoo. Ling. And we're back. Our film this week, Return of the Cuckoo, a film that is a carryover, a sequel, if you will, on the big screen from the small screen version of the same name of a TVB 20-episode drama, which premiered back in uh, 2000. The story here from director Patrick Kong, who's picking up the reins of this and also serving as the scriptwriter, um, picks up about eight years or so uh, after the series left off with the character Quan Ho, played by Charmaine She, uh, returning to Macau to celebrate her mother's birthday. Her mother's played by Nancy Sit. Um, but her friend-slash-relative, Man Cho, played by Julian Chung, who is an adopted member of her family, discovers that a terrible tragedy has befallen her while she's been away uh, overseas. Quan Ho loses herself to grief and becomes suicidal. Mancho's love for Quan Ho, though, has never waned, despite all the, the time that has passed between them. But he has moved on with his life, but now that she needs him more than ever, he begins to question his role as her friend, relative, or as something more. So, uh, this is the second film, I guess, we've had this year that is um, a carryover, 
a sort of continuation from a TVB drama earlier. We talked about uh, Triumph in the Skies, which was a much more recent television series, actually two television series. One um, premiering, you know, back in just after the millennium and then uh, the, the sequel to that just a couple years ago. So we had that film earlier this year, also starring Julian Chung, and now we have this film. And uh, part of the thing that struck me, now not having watched the series uh, before I saw the film, I actually, in doing research, went back and watched the last episode, right, to see how they actually, where they left off and how they sort of carried over into the film. Um, but I didn't have time to go sit through all 20 episodes. And this is one of those older dramas that um, I think there was a DVD set, but it was before they were um, releasing English subtitles on DVD. Um, though I think my Cantonese is at a point where I was able to sit through the last episode and at least pick up enough to know where, where people were going and what they were doing and what they were saying and you know what was, what was troubling them, basically. Um, and so... I think that this series, which was a very popular series for the time, it kind of established... uh, Julian Chung had been around for a while, but it really established Charmaine Shea, um, I think, as a big star. She had a couple TVB roles before this, but after this, she started to get a few movie roles, and then she quickly kind of left the the big screen and went back to work in the more, I guess, stable area of um, TVB and the small screen. Um, and has been there ever since. Um, she's made the occasional crossover um, to a couple films here and there, but primarily she's been uh, a TVB presence. And this has been the trend for a, a couple other celebrities. I mean, um, Moses Chan is also someone who's kind of stuck more on TVB. He, he, stu- he, you know, he emerged into doing some films, but just went more for the steady work that he was getting in TVB and made more of a name for himself over there. Um, so yeah, the, the, after this series, I guess people really liked the pairing and the chemistry uh, of these two characters uh, and these two actors, um, more, so to speak, because a little bit later in that year, we get um, them paired up again in the movie Perfect Match, which came out towards the end of 2000, and then the next year in uh, Blue Moon. And I remember this was part of a kind of a new shift in Hong Kong cinema, with this generation of young kind of hipsters before hipsters were a thing. Um, and a lot of these stories were these people kind of hanging out around the Happy Valley area, from what I remember, and um, a kind of a different kind of sort of urban comedy that was um, sort of very different from the Andy Lau and Tony Lung kind of urban comedies that had been prevalent through the 90s. Um, so the series itself was considered a somewhat important series. The characters were voted as like favorite television characters of the time, uh, back then. So I guess for many people, it does have a strong sense of nostalgia here too. the setting of Macau. They did a lot of the, you know, they had a lot of interior TVB sets, but some of the shots were on the streets over in Macau. So it also had a sense of, I guess, place that was present um, that was also part of the nostalgia. This was not too long after, you know, Macau's return back to China as well. Um, and so we don't really have a, a, the sense of that if you're coming to this like I did as somebody who had not seen the series. So my assumption is, is that for people who had seen the series, it was an important one. It was just, you know, TVB does 
dozens of series every year, um, and some are more beloved than others. And so this is apparently one of the more beloved ones. Um, now, that being said, there were a couple storylines that seemed to carry on in the last episode of the series that did not carry over into the film. So um, some people that seemed to be somewhat important uh, kind of got dropped um, in, in the film. And this is to be expected. Some people left the industry. Um, they're no longer acting. I guess, you know, they didn't want to come back for cameos and things. Um, but there are two basic main plots that are covered here, and that is the uh, of course, the romance between the main characters, Quan Ho and Man Ho. And then um, there's a secondary character named Kam Seng, who, in the interim between the TV series and uh, the film, seems to have, he seems to have gone on to become a, a somewhat big uh, player in the casino, uh, the growth of the casino industry. And he suddenly loses that. Uh, I guess he's got, you know, his fingers in too many pies and and maybe not everything's legal and above board so he seems to have become a really big big player and then um, he has a fall and then so part of his storyline is trying to recover from that um, and but he doesn't still even so he doesn't that character's played by michael tong he doesn't get a lot of screen time um, but there is the fun appearance of a uh, kent sang as this kind of howard hughes kind of a big um big mogul investor. Um, so it's kind of fun to see him walking around in pajamas with this really long hair and just looking completely grody. Uh, the film, too, uh, introduces a couple new characters. So we have, of course, Nancy Sit here as the mother. She has... Um, the, the basic story from the series was that she had adopted Julian Chung's character um, from a somewhat abusive mother, and Julian Chung was at some point a mute. Um, he, could, he could not speak or could not hear, so he, knew he learned sign language. But he recovered over the course of the series to where he could, you know, um, speak and hear normally, I guess. And he had always had a crush on his, I guess, you know, guy, basically his stepsister or adopted or foster sister, whatever you would call her, um, played by Charmaine Shea. But uh, she ends up... Um, having a relationship with another character played by Stephen Ma. And by the end of the series, they've gone off, gotten married, gone overseas. And in the very last episode, we see her returning to Macau with a couple kids in tow. So um, by the end of the series, she's got like a daughter and a son who look like they're about four or five years old. <clears throat> and, but... Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's the, the affection is never really openly spoken. The characters kind of like each other, but they never say it. And so other things happen to keep them apart. And, uh, you know, they, they end up going on with separate lives. So the, the, the film does its best to bring them back together um, through basically um, off-screen events that we never see, we're only told about, um, that are very tragic and that affect um, Charmaine's character in a very negative way. So a good portion of the film is her basically trying to kill herself over <laughs> and over and over again. So she commits suicide. They rush her to the hospital. The doctor says, hey, this person is suicidal. All you people who are her friends and relatives, keep your eye on her. Don't let her out of your sight. Okay. 
Then the very next scene, she's walking on the street by herself with nobody around, right? She commits suicide again, or attempts to, and back to the hospital, and the doctor's saying, hey, I told you people, this person <laughs> is suicidal. You don't leave her alone. What's wrong my, with you? My favorite part was, like, yeah, she she just cut her wrist in the bathtub, and the doctor is like, I think she has severe suicidal tendency. Yeah, I'm like, you, yeah, you I think, think that. <laughs> that that's pretty su- that that's pretty severe, I yeah. would say. Not just tendency. I mean that woman is suicidal. Um so yeah, it's it's that kind of, it's this kind of nonsense that you kind of expect in a TVB script, but not to be carried fully over in, in that form. I mean um so yeah, Come some on, of- there, there was also that really classic Nancy Sid Whoa, it's me. Yeah. I got the heaven. <laughs> Nan- Nancy yeah, Nancy does uh, does like does overact a couple a couple of the, of her uh, her dialogues, um, but yeah. So a, a good portion of the film is basically Charmaine's character brooding and just acting like a complete jerk, um, especially towards uh, Manho, who's just trying to be there for her and, and trying to help her along. Um, so there's that whole thing that we have to get sort of get past. Um, eventually we get past this, past that, but it starts to affect Man Ho's relationship with uh, a mute girl, a new character, someone who um, was not in the uh, original series, played by uh, Joe Chen. Um, I think she's a Taiwanese actress. Taiwan, yeah. yeah. Um, who's very cute, um, super sympathetic, and you kind of figure that this is the person you're supposed to be rooting for because Charmaine is acting so terrible. Now, this is where I think there's a bit of divergence. I guess if you're somebody who, you know, again, went with the series originally, you've been longing for these two characters to get together. Um, At the end of the series, the very tail end of the series, it basically is a scene of them seeing each other. You know, she's still married. She's got two kids. She sees Julian and she basically says, oh, I've missed you, you know, and then that's it, the end, like no resolution. So it's one of those tricks that TVB has played um, occasionally, and, and it's one of those ones that really irks a lot of viewers. I know I've seen some dramas that do this, and it really irks me when they don't give it a sort of well-packaged ending, because it's like, all right, well, what happens next, you know? Um, so I get the sense that uh, people would be looking forward to this for, for a bit of closure. Um and in that case, I guess, you know, maybe Patrick Kong was a fan, and that's why he decided to pick this up and, and direct it and write it. I don't, I'm not sure, but uh, he kind of just goes overboard with some of this stuff. So he takes this character that Manho's in a relationship with, this mute girl, and she starts out as cute and, and kind and sympathetic, and then, um, you know, it brings it up to date. And uh, back in 2008, we had uh, Typhoon Hagopit come through, pretty severe typhoon so they show that hitting macau and there's this thing that happens i won't spoil it here but it basically takes this sweet character you're supposed to empathize with and suddenly makes her evil incarnate i mean it's just (laughs) like what are you doing this isn't hong kong ghost stories patrick kong did you did you jump genres suddenly on us um and and yeah, I mean, he goes up, goes over the edge, and then he kind of reels it back. But it's it, it, the character motivations are kind of all over the place, and and I think he's doing it more for shock value than really trying to push what should be natural, more natural and organic kind of things that would happen. What would people really do 
in, in, in these kinds of, you know, scenarios. Um, so we have this love triangle between the three. Um, this, you know, escalates to a point. And in true Patrick style, Patrick Kong style, we get to a twist and almost what I would say is a double twist because I think he throws a feint in there at least one that I picked up on that made me think, okay, this just happened, okay, no, it didn't, and then now this other thing happens. Um, so he does try and throw a, you know, a little bit of a curveball in there to fool the audience. And by the end, though, I think it does kind of try, it, it feels like it's giving you completion, and then it kind of, you know, yanks it back. And I'm wondering if this is like the J.J. Abrams treatment, right? I'm wondering if this is like, you know, for Star Trek fans who went and saw Star Trek and thought, oh my god, what did he do to the series that I love, you know, um, by, by putting his directorial paws all, all over it. And for people who are still dreading, you know, that what, he's, what he's planned for the beloved Star Wars franchise, I'm wondering if they kind of see this in that same light, that they came out of this and were like, oh my god, what did Patrick Kong do, you know, to this beloved series of mine? Um... I haven't really yet talked to anybody who's been a super fan of the series, um, but the scuttlebutt that I've heard from my wife uh, that, that she's been reading on various blogs and things is that most people who know the series tend to say the series is still far superior than this film. So uh, that tends to be the, the word of mouth so far. Um, but I do think the film is successful in some regards because it does carry on the story of, you know, from episode 20 um, to places that I think are uh, at least a little bit more interesting than how they would have left it, you know, and uh, or, or how they did leave it at the end of episode 20, because that was just a terrible ending, at least from my perspective. And it does fail, though, because it makes this his personal playground, and it's got his sort of signature moves uh, as a scriptwriter all throughout it. So if you're familiar with his work, you just see stuff that you've seen uh, before, you know, people kind of doing things, the uh, slight nods to the camera and slight little emotes that, you know, where you know, oh, okay, something's up, this person did something, and um, some this person did something bad, and now somebody else is going to suffer for it kind of a thing. Um, you know, uh, some somebody has a headache, and oh, that means something, that's going to come back, you know, that, you know, for sure, it's not a good thing. So I think this is going to annoy many fans. Um, and for some average audience users, it's going to bore them because if they're familiar with his work, they've seen this stuff before. And actually the chemistry, I don't think, is really here. Um, I just didn't feel the chemistry between the two leads as I felt in other uh, movies they've done together. Or even the last episode of the drama, it seemed like they had more chemistry going on there than um, they did here. Um, but I would say that this, if you're going to watch this and you have passable Cantonese, uh, go online and try to look up the series and watch the last episode first. And that will give you a sense of what was and what has become, you know, uh, after when you see this. Uh, otherwise, I would say if you just plan to go at this alone without the context of, of the original, I mean, ideally you could watch the whole drama. And I think at some point I might try and, and go back and watch it, but I've got far too many other things on the plate right now. Um, but I would say, otherwise, if you don't have any interest in going back and watching it, if you 
if your uh, Cantonese is not up to snuff and you don't like sitting through stuff that's difficult for you to understand because there's no subtitles, I'd say wait until this one is out for rent, maybe Netflix, you know, maybe it'll be on Netflix Hong Kong next year and go over to Netflix US or some other places. I'll wait for wait for it to, a rental to come by or the discount bin because it's really unfortunately not as good and not as creative in that sense as um, some some of his other his other works. And you know, we're we're, we're in the midst of the Patrick Kong retrospective right now as we speak, right? Uh, no, I think it's next month. I think. Is it? No, I think it's going. It's right before the uh, right before anniversary comes out. I think. I thought they were playing it at the end of November. Maybe I looked at the dates wrong. I don't know. I haven't re-looked at the dates either. But yeah. I, I don't remember. But Paul, you, you, every flaw you point out, you're right. I mean, I completely agree. But you're so easy on the film. Well, Why I mean, so easy because the flaws. Those are pretty. Like those are like what we call, you know, touch of death kind of, like, worthy over there. I mean, you're so easy on it. Um, I think that there are worse Patrick Kong films out there, to be honest. Um, you know, and, and this is this is not a big offender in terms of, you know, I mean, the leads are fine. I like Julian Chung. I like Charmaine Shea. I watch, you know, quite a few of her TV dramas over the years. Um, I just... The, the narrative, I think, was the big problem here. Again, that's some of the nonsense moments that were happening. You know, suicide person. But that's all, you that's leave all the film has going for. It's not like an action blockbuster, right? It's all about the characters no, I, I, and the narrative. That's I, it, the whole film relies on that. You know, so, I, th- I think for me, I appreciate the fact that, you know, they tried to take this thing or he tried to take this thing that, you know, was existing and that maybe some people felt didn't have a good ending and at least you know do a continuation of that i think in that uh, that aspect it's it's more successful than triumph in the skies watch which was just a travesty you know here's a case where i saw the drama i loved the series i loved the characters in that series and the directors just took it and had no idea what they were doing with it right i think that at least here I think he knew this show and he knew these characters. I think he made some decisions that are probably going to tick fans off, but they're decisions nonetheless that show that he had an understanding of what the, what what where the characters were coming from over the course of these 20 episodes and where they ended up and how to how to bring them along and update them to some extent. You may not like the update um, and again, you may not like the kind of plot devices he throws in, but still it's got that, that idea of continuation, that idea of continuity, I think is the, is the term I'm looking for that I can appreciate in this film. Um, again, it's definitely not, you know, one of his better films as, as it goes, but I appreciate the attempt at continuity where the earlier film Triumph in the Skies just made no attempt at that. And it was just nonsense. And it, it was just cashing in on the brand, as it were. You know, again, it's, uh, I know that the word of mouth is that many fans um, are, are not happy with it. I think for me, again, it, in the pantheon of his films, it's not the worst. You know, it's somewhere on the, you know, the below average side of things, but it's certainly not the worst. listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit kongcast.com for more.
You have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Robert Gabors of Snauzer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database, and a little help from TVB this week, uh, and a tremendous amount of moral support from you, the listeners. So if you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at kongcast.com. That's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T dot com. We would love to hear from you. Send us a question, post a comment or some feedback. You know, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, We're happy to hear from you and to converse with you. Uh, You can also get us on Twitter, twitter.com slash concast, or on email, that is eastscreen at gmail.com. You can also drop by on Facebook, that is Facebook East S West S. Also, check in with what Mr. Ma's doing and what he's writing, what kind of news articles he's working on. So, Kevin, where can they get a hold of you? Well, after that, Patrick Conrad, I may not want to say anything about who I'm working for. Um, no, you can find me, uh, my daily news writings on www.filmbiz.asia. That's Film Business Asia. Uh, I search on Google. Um, it is almost December. Oh, wait, sorry, we're still in November. Um but in a couple of weeks, the new December issue of Discovery Magazine will be on um, your Cathay Pacific flights and uh, Silk Road on Dragon Air flight. You can also get the app uh, for Discovery on in the iTunes store. Um, what else? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, www.twitter.com slash thegoldenrock or at thegoldenrock. Uh, you can also email me, um, exp- unless you're a Patrick Kong fan, then, you know, probably better. Best not to, or if you are Patrick Kong, probably not. Email me uh, at Kevin at filmbiz dot Asia. Yeah, that's it. All right. So next episode one seventy nine. Um, still not sure what we'll be covering next time, but it's probably going to be either the, um, I guess the supernatural thriller Daughter, starring um, Ho Ying Hong, Kara Hoi, or perhaps a Zinnia Flower, starring uh, Karina Lam. Uh, depending on which I can get out and see and when the next time we're going to be recording. Um, after that, we've got, uh, I think, uh, Nick Chung's new movie coming, and uh, I think there's a Lao Ching Wan movie on the horizon as well, uh, a couple other things before uh, the two of us are going to be heading off and, be, and on the road, but we will keep you posted on uh, what we're going to be trying to cover and when. So all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen, West Screen podcast saying, never leave a person buried by a landslide. And we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Uh